kicking off the 5 o'clock hour with a good friend to the program throughout the years, Chris Cuellar. Used to see him out and about at all kinds of high school events. And, well, he's still doing that, but in a different capacity, formerly the Des Moines Register and now the Communication Director with the Iowa High School Athletic Association. Chris, how are things? Uh, pretty good, Trent. Thanks for having me on. It has been uh, a hot minute. Yes, yeah. It's uh, it's always fun to see at the state events. Uh, I-, I liked it when we could go back and forth up in the press boxes. But hey, you boys and Boone, I mean, come on, you you guys got it made, don't you? <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, I'm I'm your traditional boy and Boone. And yeah. I know it's exactly. <laughs> I'm the demographic that uh, everybody's hitting on. But it's a it's a great gig. I'm not I'm not gonna. I'm not going to lie to you because I still get to go to all the fun events and I still get to I still get to watch, but I'm not on deadline like you and the rest of the reporters anymore. So. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a little bit different, but you're doing a great job there. And and one of the biggest things, and I'm happy, and I, I give you a hard time, the boys in Boone. <laughs> That's be, fine. It does have a negative connotation because there are things in, in sitting here, you know, from from our angle that people get upset about, but. It does seem, at least from my vantage point of covering high school sports for as long as I have, that with you and some other new people in there, new ideas are happening, that that some of the frustrations are at least being listened to. Is that a fair characterization? Yeah, you know, I, I think, and you understand this, and, and I know there are certain fans that understand this, but there are some things that we can change you know, right now. There are some things that we can change in six months. There are some things that are going to take a few years to change. Um, but I, you know, we do have really, really good people in place and the staff has been awesome to work with. And that, that's been an eye opener for me. Uh, you know, coming from that reporting vantage point, I, I did have a perception like you described. Um, but, but there, there are good people in place. There are ideas flowing around the office right now. And I think there are people willing to make it happen. Um, a lot of that credit goes to our coaches and our member schools though, because, you know, they kind of have to be the ones that get the ball rolling on a lot of this policy and, and, I guess legislation, for lack of a better word, that that people want to see. So when they get things rolling and we work in concert with them and can make some changes happen, it's kind of a cool thing. And I and I do think that we are are getting some positive momentum right now. Well, Chris, uh, one of the biggest changes that came out after the latest board meeting was seating is making its way to the state tournament for wrestling. This is something I, I, I go back to the '80s, growing up in Osage, and and I'd hear, oh man, oh here we go. Another tough matchup in the first round or the second round. Why don't they see this thing? Well, it is here. It's happened across the country. A lot of other states have done this. I, is this one of those talking points that, that seemed up until this point maybe got the, the much, most blowback that you guys had? Why isn't the traditional state tournament seeded? Yeah, you know, we have gotten some blowback, and I, you know, now that we do make the change, I'd be lying if I said it was just like this unanimous positive, because it's not. We still have, there's still some division there. There's still some people that wish that the random draw was in place, but, but you know what? Um, we had 80 years, 80 plus years of the tournament <laughs> having a random draw, so they got to see it a lot then. Um, I, I think from a competitive standpoint and the, the scenario you were describing 30 years ago, I think this is going to improve the tournament. Um, you're still going to see upsets. You're still going to see big quarterfinal matchups that, that people want on, on Thursday night, Friday morning. Um, I, I just, I think it's, I think it's a positive for the kids that have, you know, earned their way there and won district championships and had great seasons. And, um, you know, the criteria might not be perfect yet. The, the amount of kids that we're seeding, which is, I guess, eight out of the 16 in each weight class, that might not be perfect yet either, but mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's absolutely worth a trial run to, to, 
kind of create those competitive advantages and, and maybe set up a tournament that, that rewards those top wrestlers and, and makes for some interesting finals. Well, and, and by the time we get to Saturday night in the championship round, there are some weight classes that, frankly, there's a divide. You can see a, a bracket opens up on one side. The other side is much more difficult, and, and some of those championship bouts can get out of hand. You, you think there's still going to be that. There's still going to be kids that are just head and shoulders better than everybody else in their class, but you think at least on the surface it's going to set up even more better matches coming up in that championship round. Absolutely. Um, you know, the more we can, I guess, the ones and twos, I guess, if you're devising this system, that's what you want to see is, is the top two guys meeting on the final night. So there's a good argument for that as, as far as seating goes. I think the other thing that is going to create interest, and this is, I, this is my former reporter speaking, What's going to happen now when number one or number two seeds go down on Thursday? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you got undefeated kids who've, who've had great years, and you know all the criteria points to them having a great year. Or there's a really highly seeded kid who you know people think hasn't faced the toughest competition, and then he goes down the state and sees a tough kid. Um, I think those are going to create even more storylines too, which is which is fun from from a you know being sitting back and watching from the side of the map. Seven criteria for this track wrestling is going to be used. They've uh, been used in 30 other states helping seed these wrestlers. Now, how much more difficult is this going to be? The old way, it was pretty simple. I mean, you had everything already in place, the criteria there. You got a district champion against a district runner-up in the first round, and, and you place it through there. How much more work is this going to be for you guys now putting these brackets together? And we're talking 14 weight classes across three different classes. Yeah, you know, we put up a little explainer sheet on on our website uh, that that people can see. I guess so. We make the criteria public. We made an example public, um, and once the formula is in place at trackwrestling.com, I mean, it's it's literally just plug and play. Um, I, I think I would have loved to have been able to show people what what that tournament manager view looks like on our end. <laughs> Unfortunately, we can't just devise like uh, fake names yeah. <laughs> and fill in guys and and. Uh, we don't want to put any like real kids out there, but um, it, it's 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 really a simple. Once you look at the large graphic itself, it's how would A fare against B? How would A fare against C? And they each get a point for that. And you just keep going down the line through sixteen guys. So it's it's how it would match up. And then you know if if on that first criteria is head to head competition. If you know, say wrestler A beat all fifteen other guys, he would have fifteen points. Uh, you know, and then you just keep going down the line through those 16. So um, it, it ends up being pretty simple. It might sound a little complicated now, but I think once people have like a year or two to see it through uh, and see it in process and, you know, maybe even give us some feedback on what they'd like to see adjusted, I think it, I think that'll be a good thing. One more on wrestling. We're talking with Chris Cuellar right now, Jimmy B and TC. Uh, the traditional tournament Thursday through Saturday, the day before you have the dual competition. I know there's been... Plenty of blowback. This has been going on now for years. In the past, it was the weekend after the traditional tournament. It was in Cedar Rapids for a number of seasons. There's mm-hmm. some people that don't like it, don't like their kids. We, we've seen injuries that have happened there in the dual competition, which just doesn't have the same kind of cachet as the traditional. Any talk about some changes, moving that around? Some people, I think Minnesota, they wrestled that uh, then on Sunday any talk, or is it here to stay for a while, the dual tournament, on Wednesday? No, you know, Trent, I think we're open to, to suggestions. And like I said, even the, the seeding of the traditional tournament, coaches across the state were divided. But what happened was the advisory committee came in a few years in a row and brought it up. And this year, the advisory committee decided that seeding the traditional tournament was something they wanted to go in for. 
so unanimously, they, you know, they came to a consensus decision and said, this is what we want to see done. We just haven't had anything close to that happen with the dual tournament. Um, there, there is no consensus decision on what the best thing is to do with it. I've heard plenty of really good ideas from coaches and reporters and ADs and, you know, a lot of people that I trust that, that are in the know in wrestling and that they're all, they're all good, but it, there's just, there's nothing close to a, a consensus for, for lack of a better term. So, um, I, you know, I think maybe we could get there in the next couple seasons. Uh, we'll see what that is. Um, or how we can kind of uh, reinvigorate the dual tournament a little bit, because I think people in our office agree that it could use a little juice. Um, but uh, for right now, it, it is the way it is, and, and I'm sure we'll have some more ideas coming in over the next couple of years on, on how to tweak that. Well, and, and the bottom line is, as you guys rent Wells Fargo Arena for that week, you have it for the week, so it makes sense to put it there instead of having to get another venue a weekend after. It makes sense, and... and I don't think you ever want to mess with the dates of the traditional tournament. I mean, that is that is Iowa. Though, though that Thursday through Saturday, you want to stay away from kind of messing with the schedule there and going a different direction. So it's difficult. You know, everybody has ideas, Chris. They're, they're easier sitting in the coffee shop talking about it <laughs> as opposed to actually putting it down on paper and coming up with what you guys have to do. I can tell you I had a lot of really great ideas when I was a reporter, and now <laughs> trying to get them done and implemented now that I'm actually in the office. You're right. Easier said than done. One more uh, in the winter sports season. That's basketball and uh, some uh, more seeding talk in this one. Tell us about the basketball side. There's been a change as of late back for, again, number of years. It was a win against a 4A team was four points, 3A3, and on down. And uh, you guys went into a seeding process helping with the coaches also being involved in that one. What's the latest change on the basketball front? Yeah, these are, these are a little more protocol issues. Um, so, yeah, I guess two years ago, the Basketball Advisory Committee decided and, and then the board approved how to change our, our seating. So we don't, I guess, the association, we, we're not just dropping teams online lines based on what we see. We are, we are pairing them up into substates ahead of time, and then we turn the reins over to the coaches at the district and substate level, and then again at the state tournament level. So the changes that you saw that, that happened earlier this week are literally just kind of correcting some of that language and making things a little bit more uniform for some of those district meetings, because as you know, um, those district and substate meetings, there's you know all, <laughs> 64 of them, all, roughly, um, mm-hmm. happening across the state at every given time. So we just kind of want to make those a little bit more uniform. People know you know, what the criteria is for how they should approach those meetings and seed those teams. Um, you know, I, I know we've gotten some feedback, some positive, some negative about, about the uh, coaching seeding system, but uh, from our office's standpoint and from a map building standpoint, I mean, the coaches see more basketball than anybody else in the state, and, and we think especially in those little pockets because we still make tournaments geographically. That's a argument for another time, I suppose. But um, <laughs> uh, in those little geographic pockets, those people know the teams that they're taking on better than anybody else so we should we should kind of <laughs> let it be in their hands rather than picking it for them well you, you mentioned geography and that's another thing on my list list here for you chris is the girls union as it is separate here in the state of Iowa, with girls union one mm-hmm. side the boys association on the other you know they work to try to get the eight best teams to the state tournament I've heard from years from from people with the Boys Association, they want this to be a state tournament. They want teams from all areas of the state. Do you see any moving off of that? And and there's going to be times. I I see it here. Baseball, a lot of times, I I see this year after year. We're only three teams in Class 4A from Central Iowa are going to make it down to Principal Park. And 
maybe seven of the top eight teams are right here from Central. Could you ever see any shifting away from that, making it a state tournament and working to try to get the eight best teams? Yeah, I don't know. I guess it, you know, I would just describe it as just li- literally just a little philosophical difference that we have with them and, and how we build the tournaments. But it kind of just really depends on the year because we are kind of flexible on those maps. We don't have, you know, Dowling and Ankeny Centennial aren't in the same bracket in every single sport in every, you know, at every single substate. Um, so we, we do kind of play with those depending on how good those teams are. So it does a little bit depend on the year. I know basketball is one of those sports that it seems like maybe the substates are a little more set in stone than in some of our other sports. Um, as far as playoff qualification goes, but um, yeah, I, I, you know, I guess there's there's probably some flexibility there, but I think the maps are just going to change depending on who's competitive in any given year. So um, I guess the best example I can give is that, uh, like, with, with right now with baseball, um, if <laughs> if I want to segue for yeah. you, but you know, uh, there, there's a really good pocket of one A and two A baseball in Northeast Iowa right now, and we have to figure out how to get you know, X number of teams from that area um, to the state tournament because we can't just give them six of the eight spots. Um, and that, that's not how we build our fields. That's not a representative state tournament. But at the same time, they've probably earned a few. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, I, I think it, it's one of those things that that's our, that's our philosophy on things, but, it, but the brackets and the maps kind of change year to year. So no more free passes in 4A to uh, the teams to our west. That's all I'm asking. Chris. That's all I'm asking. No more free passes to. All right. I'll, I'll, I haven't pulled up. I haven't pulled up that map yet, Trent. Let me let me get to let me get to December and then I'll let you know. <laughs> all right. Chris Quayer joining us here, talking a little uh, nuts and bolts of high school sports on the boys' side of things. Always fun talking with Chris. One final thing. Now you're a big soccer guy. Just finished up the state tournament down at County, and uh, we got the World Cup just coming up here. I enjoy the World Cup. I'm certainly disappointed that the U.S. isn't going to be there, but you got any pointers for me? Any teams I should be looking at? A, a dark horse? Who are you liking coming up? Oh, good question. Um, I, I like. I really liked France coming in, but then they, they uh, took a draw against our young American team in a friendly game a couple weeks ago, or a couple nights ago, and uh, I, I was a little disappointed there. I mean, you got to... Always have to believe in the Germans. Uh, yeah. They're the defending World Cup champs, and uh, <laughs> the talent is there. The infrastructure is there. I, I think they're going to be really solid. I, I just, I would just really encourage people to still watch, even though the United States is not involved. I know the watch parties might not be as big and, and fun as they were in 2014 and 2010, but uh, it's just a tremendous event. And <laughs> Fox. Uh, they paid enough for those rights. They still kind of got to go all in on on some of these games. So they're going to get good treatment, um, but they're happening during the daytime. So if you if you get that summertime itch while you're sitting around the office, and you know maybe you're a little unfocused and you want to dive into some sports, I, I don't think you could do any better than the biggest event in the world. Well, we might have to do one of those one of those mornings. Call in, uh, say it, make it a half day, and we'll go watch a little soccer before the day gets started. What do you say? Yeah. You give me a call, and and I'm there, absolutely. Chris Cuellar with the Iowa High School Boys Association joining us here. Chris, always great catching up with you. Thanks for your time today. Absolutely, Trent. Thank you so much. Tons of great info and always a good conversation with Chris Cuellar, doing a good job and bringing new blood into the Iowa High School Boys Association. A positive development, no doubt. With that, we're due for a break. When we come back on the other side, we'll be talking more high school sports. Michael Barta, the head coach for the Johnston Dragons, the champions a year ago in Class 4A. Last year, they went 41-3. and Already four losses, though, this season with a lot of talent back. We'll talk to Coach Barta 
Has it been a little more difficult than anticipated early on? Our high school game of the week coming up tonight here on 1700. It'll be those Johnston Dragons against Fort Dodge. 6.45 with the pregame, 7 o'clock with the first pitch in game two of that doubleheader. Michael Barta joins us next. Then Jimmy B back with us at the end of the show as we get you ready for the night in the world of sports. All to come here on 1700. All right, welcome back as we get ready for high school baseball tonight on the airwaves here. 1700 KBGG, head coach for the Johnston baseball squad, the reigning champions in Class 4A. Michael Barta joining us here today. Coach, what's going on? Hey, nothing, man. Thanks for having me, Trent. Well, always good catching up with you and talking a little baseball. And and your squad comes into the season, preseason number one. A lot of expectations after what you guys did a year ago, winning another state championship Four losses to this point. Hey, you're thirteen and four. You're ranked second in the state. Still, I mean, it's not like you guys are limping in under five hundred here. But maybe a, a little bit more. I don't know. Just just hit a few more bumps in the road than you anticipated to this point. Yeah, I'd say so. I, I, you could say bumps in the road. We definitely need to uh, to clean up some areas of our game. No question asked. But also, in my opinion, the CIML is loaded, loaded with yeah. talent and. Every single night out, anybody can beat you. And it's just, you know, sometimes it's, it's a heck of a battle. It is. Night in and night out, you got to be ready. Take us back to a week ago. You got Dowling uh, in that matchup, making their way up there. They nip you guys by a single run in each of those games. Certainly disappointed, but I'm sure you use that as a teaching moment for the kids. Could it have been maybe a little bit of a wake-up call? Uh, a little bit of a wake-up call or Dowling just played that good. I mean, they played really well that night. They're one and two, pitched really well. I was impressed. Um, offensively, they did a great job that night. Um, they hit some of some good pitches by our guys, and I think a little bit of that's baseball. Good teams playing each other, and either team can win. Both games came down to one run. Um, you know, we're, we're going to have another shot at them. That's the thing. Like, in our league, we're, you know, one, two, and three uh, as of now. You know, us, Urbandale, and Dowling. I'll play each other four times. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get another couple games at Dowling, and, and it'll be good. I'm glad to see him again. I'm glad we're playing that level of competition. And once in a while, it, you know, it is a little bit of a learning, learning tool to, to see us get beat and where our areas of weakness are so we can improve in practice for sure. Coach, uh, you built such a great program at Johnston. I know your feeder program, you put a lot into that, of uh, building that thing up, and now it seems like year after year, there's new faces out there. There's new names, but you know you guys are going to be incredibly competitive. How important was it for you, though, that feeder system, getting that thing built up, and, and with the great Little League programs that you have there, also having a little bit of a say and being able to, to be a part of what happens at the younger levels before they get to you in high school? Well, yeah, and, and really it's the dads. It's the dads and the Little League coaches that have put in the time and effort. Um, really, you know, I go to them and basically say, here are some beliefs I have and here are some philosophy items that I believe in, and I really need you to try to implement it at your level. And it's amazing the quality of dads and Little League coaches that we have in our community and how they have asked me questions, tons of emails to try to get on the same page as what we're doing. And you see the benefit of that over the years. You know, this is my seventh year as head coach. I've been here nine years. And really, in the last nine years, all these kids are starting to come through. You know, they've all attended my camps, and now they're all up in high school. And they were they were talking about it today. We ran camp today. They were talking about how it, that was them five years ago, and they loved that camp. And now they're here at the high school doing big, th- big things. And, 
Yeah, I mean, it's about building the dream in those younger levels, getting them to do some of the basic things we do, and then hoping that they succeed at our level for sure. A season ago, you had Jack Dreyer out there, your number one. Great seeing him uh, be able to pitch this year at the University of Iowa. But it wasn't just him that you lost out of that pitching rotation. Buckaloo, Zimmerman, both those guys moved on after co- completing their career. Did it take a little bit more maybe than anticipated getting these young guys, the guys that hadn't had a ton of varsity experience, up and ready to pitch at the varsity level? You know, the thing is, is like I, I don't think a lot of people understand. We graduated 300 of about 350 innings. And you know, a lot of people say, hey, you got a lot coming back. Yeah, we have some great kids coming back. But I, I thought we definitely have some learning lessons, some, some, some bumps in the road early with our pitching, and even our offense with new kids at different spots to overcome. And that's held true. And so, you know, I, I, I think we're, we're growing big time. Like every day there's growth. Every outing I see kids, you know, make big jumps, and whether it's velocity or spinning a pitch properly – but, yeah, it's definitely a process. Those kids are great. And the kids you just mentioned, Dreyer's thrown in the Big Ten this year. Nate Buckley was huge in the NAI ranks over at Concordia. Andrew Zimmerman, you know, watched him pitch on TV a couple times for South Dakota State. <laughs> you don't just replace those guys. I mean, it's tough. So, uh, I don't know. I'm just really happy with where we are right now and the progress we're making. And if we continue working hard, I think we'll have a chance to get back down to Principal Park, and that's our goal. Well, and uh, Drew Beasley, one of the guys anticipated to step into the rotation. No, you said he's uh, a couple weeks away from from getting back there out in action, at least on the bump for you as he's still swinging the stick. But that certainly could help out. I saw Nussbaum pitch for you last week. I was impressed by him. He's pumping it up there in the mid-80s. You got the arms, but making that jump from pitching JV, pitching sophomore games, and coming up to the varsity level, what, what makes that leap so difficult for some kids? Well, you know, the deal is is the level of competition is so much higher when you go from freshman, sophomore, or JV to varsity. You know, the, you know you're, you're seeing a hitter that will be on time with the fastball no matter what velocity you throw in the Seattle. You know, you throw 90, doesn't matter. If you're going to go see an Urbandale hitter or a Mason City hitter, they're going to be on time. At the same point, they do a great job of hitting spin as well. You know, you, you play sophomore JV freshman, the difference is, is you can own most of the hitters in the lineup if you throw harder, you have a pitch that spins. So now you make that jump up to varsity and you realize your best pitch that's been your best pitch your whole life is getting hit by the opponent. And you have to make adjustments. You have to hit spots a little bit better. Uh, it's just it's a heck of a mental game. It's a mental game out there, throwing the right pitches at the right times to a certain spot, finding out a scouting report on a hitter and getting to know them and how we can beat them. Um, it's just such a big process and such a learning curve. Um, and we're seeing some of the guys overcome that learning curve. You mentioned Nussbaum. last two outings have been wonderful. He's up in Marshalltown versus a great team, a very underrated team, Marshalltown team that could beat anybody. And he had a great knife three-hitter the other night. And uh, you're seeing some of our kids that are getting the opportunity now overcome some of those hurdles that you mentioned. And, uh, but, no, it's a learning curve. Yes, any of these CIML coaches, they'll tell you, such a big jump between levels. That's why it's so hard to bring a freshman up in the CIML, man. You're making such a big jump, people just don't understand that. Well, one of your big boppers in the middle of the lineup, Peyton Williams, and I remember seeing him the first time as a freshman two summers ago and said, that kid's a freshman? Uh, I mean, it's difficult in the CIML to be able to come up right away and compete. He has. He's committed to make his way over to Iowa City. You still have him for another season and a half, though, before we get to that point. But will he have a decision to make before his collegiate career? I mean, Peyton Williams, the way he swings the stick, do you see him being a, a big draft pick next June? I am 
I am so not the guy to ask those questions, man. I don't know. Uh, you got to ask the experts on that. I don't know. I just, uh, you know, the thing, the thing I love about Peyton is, you know, he's a good player and he's had success. And, you know, every day we're down in the cages, he's trying to make corrections to make himself better. And he takes feedback from me and other coaches so freaking well. Um, it, it's amazing. And so I think that's probably one of his best characteristics is his coachability and his just drive to get better. And so, you know, I think that will, will help him put himself in situations like you're, you're asking. You know, maybe he'd be in big conversations like that in a year and a half, but I think he just handles himself so well on a day-to-day basis. I just, I'm going to miss that kid when he leaves here, man. He, he is a great kid, no doubt. Um, Heller's getting a good one over there at Iowa. Yeah, I love watching him. Doesn't matter, football field, basketball court. He does it all for Johnston. And on the baseball field, that's where he'll finish up still. A lot more baseball, though, in front of Peyton Williams. As you look through your team and you look through your lineup, is there maybe a surprise, a a youngster that has come up here, done a little bit more, a guy that you kind of tapped into right now that is a surprise for you this season? Um, When you you say young, we've we've been playing a couple young kids. I mean, Ben Wilmus is a freshman. I talked about the jump from freshman to varsity, how hard that is. He's been doing a phenomenal job wherever we put him. We put him in left, right, third, second. He does a great job at all those spots. Um, Parker Shoup is another sophomore that's played some infield for us, done a wonderful job. Nick Crandall played some catch for us. Those are all young guys. So we're all about if our young guys show us effort, enthusiasm, they're doing some things well, we're all about giving them a shot. But I also think there's some kids that we consider young that are juniors that we're playing sophomore JV ball, uh, like Cade Moss. Cade Moss is a staple of our team. Um, he, he's up here now as a junior. He played a little bit at the end of our year last year. It was huge for us in the state tournament. We're putting him in the middle infield and behind the plate, and he's been phenomenal. So, yeah, I think there's young faces all over our team that are making huge impacts for our guys, and even guys that I'm not talking about, kids that are courtesy running or, or pinch hitting that have been great for our team and helping us get those 13 wins. So, it's about figuring out these roles for these young guys and, and hoping they can continue to improve and those roles become bigger throughout the year. Fort Dodge tonight, doubleheader. We'll get, have game two for you, 7 o'clock, with the first pitch with the Dodgers and the Johnston Dragons. Michael Barta joining us here today. Coach, final thing before we get out of here, and it's summer baseball. And uh, it's a lot of people, I've, I've talked to coaches that say they, they go to conferences, they go to different areas, they go to Minnesota, Wisconsin, say, how can you do that with the kids out of school? I think we do it right. Do you see any negatives here, though? People talk about recruiting. You've had plenty of guys that have gone on to play collegiately uh, after their careers end at the high school level. Are there any negatives in your mind of summer baseball? No. No. Coming off that spring <laughs> where we had so much snow and rain and freeze, I don't want to be out there coaching in 30-degree <laughs> weather, so... I'm all about the summer baseball schedule. I think Iowa high school baseball does it right. Um, and, you know, here's the deal. You know, some of these other, other schools, they, they, do, they do their summer programs. They do Legion. Mm-hmm. And we still can do that in Iowa. You know, teams can still do that. The state tournament for Legion is the week after the state tournament of high school. So, you know, if that's something you're interested in, if you feel like they need more, uh, you can still get more. And we have great programs around the area that help us with spring ball and fall ball. So I think the kids have plenty of opportunities in Iowa to get recognition and and I know that, you know, you look at Iowa Hawkeye baseball, only D1 program state, just doing huge things with a lot of Iowa boys. It's obvious that our Iowa boys are being trained right. They have a good thing going. And so if I were in charge, I would say, I ain't, I'm not changing this. This is going really well. Let's keep it going. Well said. Michael Barta, good talking with you again. We'll see you out in the field here in a little bit.
Hey, thank you so much, Trent. Take it easy. That's Michael Barta, the head man for the Johnston Dragons, a state title a year ago, 41-3. and This season off to a 13-4 and start. Got swept, though, by Dowling Catholic, the new number one this week in Class 4A. It's Dowling, Johnston, Urbandale, your top three in Class 4A. Tons of la- local talent, as always. Indianola's at number five. You got West Des Moines Valley ranked number eight. Marshalltown, who Coach talked about, they're at number nine. And uh, Southeast Polk, Waukee also receiving votes. Tons of power in the CIML at the baseball level, and a good one tonight with Fort Dodge and Johnson. We'll have the call 6.45 with the pregame and 7 o'clock with the first pitch. And always fun watching this Johnston team, just like Coach Barta. They're aggressive, they're out there, they're talking, they're helping their teammates. They make the game of baseball a lot of fun. Should be a great one tonight. With that, we're coming back on the other side. Jimmy B is going to join us one final time to finish off the second hour of the program. Talked a lot of high school stuff there. Chris Cuellar from the Boys Association, followed up by Michael Barta. Jimmy B back with us. We'll get ready for the night in sports, what we're keeping an eye on, and a whole lot more with you until 6 o'clock tonight. Jimmy B and TC on 1700. Welcome back, everybody. It's our final segment here on a Wednesday in the capital city. Jim and Trent. All right, partner, let's kind of recap because it's been a very, very busy show today, and you've got baseball coming up as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, With some of the things that we talked about earlier, and let's start first uh, with Iowa State and Wigington indicating that he's probably not going to play during the summer pickup games. Uh, Look, I I know we kind of hashed it out early in the show. Let's kind of recap in case people are joining us right now. Uh, my thoughts on Wigington not playing in the uh, in the summer league. Look, uh, some people are saying, well, he should be there so he can sign autographs and the fans get excited. Look at the guy. How many workouts did Wigington have? Six, seven, maybe eight? Guys basketballed out right now. You got to give the kid a chance to kind of like get his mind back and get it set. Heck, he might show up for a couple of games. Who knows? Guys change their mind all the time when they're 18, 19 years old. So I don't have a big issue with him saying, "Well, I'm really not going to play uh, in that in the Cap City League." I'm just, I'm just kind of, you know, just going to kind of wave it off. And don't give me, well, the fans, no, they don't deserve it. He played all last year. He did all the fan stuff. He signed autograph. He took pictures. He was everywhere. So don't... No! You're a fan. You're a fan of the team. You pay your money and you go to the games and cheer for your team. Let the kid get his head screwed on straight. Would you prefer that he shows up at the gym for every summer league game, plays terrible, and is just kind of wasted away? Or would you prefer that he shows up maybe once or twice, shoots a few baskets, leaves, and then when the season begins, he va- he's averaging 18-7? and seven. I think that if I were an Iowa State fan, I'd prefer he was averaging 18-7. and seven. So from that standpoint... Trent, I'm good with Wigington with what he said and that fan crap that you owe it to the fan. No, he doesn't owe it to the fans. He already busted his butt his freshman year, and he's going to do it again. He came back to the school, came back to play his sophomore year. And my guess is, with what he learned out in all of those NBA tryouts, 
He's going to be an even much, much, much better player in his sophomore season that we saw than in his freshman year. That's my thoughts on Wigington. Yeah, and, and I think it's very well put that this guy's been out there grinding. He's been trying to yeah, work to get to yeah. an NBA career. Sometimes you're just worn out and you need a break. It, it, it's not like he's going to be sitting at home eating frozen pizzas and watching Netflix <laughs> all day. Right, he's, right. he's still going to be working on his game. He still has other yeah. things that he's going to be a part of here. It's just he's not being playing in the summer league. It, it's not a big deal. And the burnout factor, Jim, how many times, and I know you've seen teams that have gone over and taken one of those European trips or gone oh, yeah. to the Far East and, and played four, five, six games, whatever it is, while they're over there. And a lot of times by the time they get to February into maybe early March, they're done. Mm-hmm. They're just physically mm-hmm. exhausted. This is a chance to retool your body, recharge the batteries, and, and come back in a positive way. I think this is a good thing for Wigington. This is a good thing for Iowa State. You need him at the best. We believe this is going to be a very good basketball team. Yes. But in order to get to that point, I think they need the best out of Lindell Wigington. And if this is the best course of action for it, so be it. This is it disappointing for somebody that might have drafted him in with their first pick in our Capital City League mock draft? Yes, yes it is. I am upset about that. I know you would be. But yes. Now, my team's still better than yours, even a guy down. Oh, stop. Stop it. I'm going to win this hands down. Uh, you were better in the primetime league than you were in the Capital City League. And my, my team still is much better there. But, yeah, this hurts my team. <laughs> that aside, though, Jimmy B, no, I, I think this is a great thing. It's good for Iowa State. They're going to be in good, good shape. As it pertains to the transfer, you know, the, the transferring and it being open-ended, there was a little caveat at the end that the conferences still have the opportunity to make their own rules. So the NCAA says they're not going to put restrictions on things, but conferences still can. And, and, and the, those that kind of wording at least concerns me, Jimmy B, when I looked at it because... Well, we've seen this happen before. We've seen teams and, and universities try to block guys from making a move. So sure. that, that's the first thing that kind of jumps off the page is, well, are we just setting up? Is this going to be all for naught? And if a kid wants to transfer wherever it may be, it's going to be shut down by the conferences. Let's hope that's not the case. I, I, I can get it to a certain extent. You don't want a group of guys mm-hmm. going and, and leaving and, and going from Texas Tech. You know what? Let's go to Oklahoma. The best four or five players for no, a final. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. So yeah. okay, maybe I see where you're going. Some parameters, I get it. Let's just hope that the conferences don't become too heavy-handed. Uh, uh, fair enough. Fair enough with that. I mentioned my thoughts on the transfers. Do you have problems yeah. with it? I mean, that you got that going on. We also have the other part that came out from the NCAA today, and now freshmen are going to be allowed in football to play up to four games yet still mm-hmm. retain their redshirt status. Pandora's box or a good move? No, I'm definitely good with that. I, I really am. You know, uh, what's the difference uh, if he played two games or four games? T- to me, that's just fine because you find out Sometimes, Trent, it's difficult just in practice because there are no, like what the NFL plays, exhibition games. College doesn't play exhibition games. So when you begin the season, it's on right from the get-go. So a guy may look sensational in practice. I knew guys who were great practice players and couldn't play worth a damn in the game. 
So, and I knew guys who were lousy practice players and were awesome in games. So from that standpoint, I don't have an issue with this at all. Because then you can find out if that particular freshman that you said, well, I'm going to put him on the second team here, and we're going to give him some minutes and see how he can handle the action when it's live and the start of the regular college season. And if he struggles, then you've got a couple of games where you can look at him, make your evaluation after you go back and look at the film, or in this case, tape. And from then on, you can say, son, not this year. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna redshirt you. Okay, so the kid got two, three, maybe four games in of limited minutes, but at least he was there and had a cup of coffee. So now he has a much better understanding as well what will be required of him as a player to be able to succeed in the following year. And he's a redshirt freshman again, Trent. So he gets that year. He still gets that year. So from that standpoint, I like the rule. All right, Jim, with that final thing here today, the U.S. Open begins coming up uh, tomorrow. We will get U.S. Open action. We'll keep you up to date all throughout the day here on 1700. But do you have a pick? Do you have a guy that you're rooting for? We know you'll be rooting for Tiger. But uh, outside of that, is there... Is there anything that's jumping off the board to you? Um, I'm not going Bryson DeChambeau. No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, And I'm not going Phil Mickelson. But I think that Jason Day might be on the verge of a breakout here. And he's, he's played well. He's been in it to win it. Just hasn't in the last couple of weeks. So I think Jason Day would kind of be my... Other from Tiger, I'd love to see Tiger be in it uh, on Sunday, absolutely. But I like Jason Day in this tournament just by the way the tournament shapes up. Trent, if you're not accurate off the tee box, Jason Day, we know for the most part, is really accurate off the tee box. So I'm going to go with Jason Day as my pick. But I'd still like to see Tiger, as you well know. Jason Day, the pick from Jimmy B. I'm going to mark that in the little notebook there. If we okay, see if we can give you credit. Yeah, of course. Uh, though I bet against Tiger. I bet against Tiger making the cut. In fact, plus three twenty-five was the number wow. there. Thought the number was just a, a little too good to say no to. So I jumped on that. So I gave you the winner. At forty-five to one for the Masters, I gave you Patrick Reed. I handed out three picks, you, and yep, uh, you did. He came out and made money. If you're listening, I got three more for the tournament here. So out of kind of the favorite group, you know, the top five, six guys. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm, go- I'm going Justin Rose. That's uh, okay. that's my pick in that one. Justin Rose out of the top tier. Then I have two in the mid tier, and I think my favorite is Henrik Stenson. Stenson, a guy mm. that has played well in U.S. Opens in the past. Can drive yes. it is accurate off the tee, very important. He was at forty to one yesterday when I fired at him, down to thirty-five to one. I see in a lot of places right now, so not the same numbers, but still pretty good. And then uh, another mid-tier guy, I get Tommy Fleetwood, twenty-seven years oh, old. Yeah, he yeah. is. Uh, he's competed well, made that run on the Masters on Sunday. Tommy Fleetwood, another one. So I got Fleetwood at forty to one, Stenson at forty to one, and Rose at fourteen to one. That's what I'm firing at. And Tiger to miss the cut at plus 325. Wow. Those are the bets that I'm making. And 
Well, tomorrow, Jeb, I'll get more bets as uh, we'll have the World Cup upon us, too. We will. That'll be, uh, I suppose, interesting for people who are into it. I'm not so much, as I explained yesterday, with the USA out. However, the United States, Mexico, and Canada, all three nations combining, and they will indeed host the World Cup. Oh, Trent, I hope I'm still above ground when this takes place. Is it 2026? Are we still doing the show then? Well, I will be. I don't know where you're going to be at that oh, point. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll certainly I'll be around at that point. We'll, we'll hope and pray for you. So what are you watching tonight, Jimmy B? Any baseball catch you? Last night you talked about the Nationals and the Yankees. Yeah, be back I watched some evening. of that. Not yeah. a great pitching matchup, though. you got to have a pitching matchup. Can I, can I sell you it all on my twins since J.O. Barrios will be on the bump for the Twinkies tonight? At least give him a cursory I'll sample glance. It. I'll sample it. I'll sample it. But like I'll be said, I'll be uh, kind of dialed in on Washington and the Yankees again. But uh, look, I know you like Barrios, and and he is entertaining. Has he been good in recent starts, Trent? And they're going to play at Detroit. No, uh, Miggy Miguel right. Cabrera done done for the season with the injury, so that's got to help. It well, I mean, Miguel Cabrera is not what he was. Not even he was. Close to no, himself. you're right. Yeah. So a little bit different there. But no, it's number two versus number three teams in the division. Look, I I can't sell you a bill of goods here. I'm just trying to give you something to be watching for this evening. It's a tough, tough sell. You know what you should do? Listen to me call high school baseball tonight as I'll be on the airwaves. Tonight in Johnston, Fort Dodge taking on the Dragons. It comes your way 645 with the pregame, 7 o'clock with the first pitch. And I got to get out of here, Jim. I'm done. You're done. We'll talk to you tomorrow.